0: tonight. Romans chapter number one is where we'll be. Romans chapter number one. And we're going to read several verses of scripture tonight. I'll begin reading in uh, verse number 15 uh, when we begin uh, the text this evening. Uh, Romans chapter number one in verse 15. Do pray for Uh, all that we have going on, and it's going to be a busy spring, a good spring, I believe, a busy year. I look forward to all that the Lord has for us in this uh, year of 2020 and excited about uh, all that God is doing in our church. Romans chapter number one, I'll read the text in just a moment, uh, but tonight I'm going to bring a message uh, that's going to, first part of the message, most of the message will actually identify a problem uh, that we have to deal with as a church. And then the last part of the message, I'll give us a solution uh, or give us the, uh, uh, the pattern of how to handle it, how to deal with it. I believe that uh, the Word of God gives us the answer to everything that we might deal with. I believe it's our responsibility to get into the Scripture Look through the lens of Scripture uh, so that we understand the day that we're in, the times that we're in, and I believe it's important for us as a church not just to stick our head in the sand and to pretend like everything's okay, but realize the day we live in so that we might better, we might be a a more effective witness, Uh, we might uh, take the right stand uh, in the day uh, that we live. Believe it or not, the times, the Word of God does not change, but the times do, Uh, and uh, we live in a different nation Uh, than uh, we did 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, We live in a very, very different nation. And I believe we, that doesn't mean the Bible's changed. And many are making the mistake today because we do live in a different nation. They're changing what the Bible says to do, to deal with the situation. We should never change because the Bible does not change. But I do believe we need to have an understanding of the day that we live in. Uh, for example, my, my father and I have discussed this uh, many times. Uh, there's there's that uh, generation before, and uh, uh, those old time preachers uh, they were a they were a unique breed. They were a rare breed, and uh, today a lot of lot of lot of people today they bristle at the um, the bluntness. They bristle at the boldness. Uh, They bristle at, but you've got to understand. In that day, uh, there was a lot of preaching, warning of what was coming. And if you don't uh, uh, pay attention, if you don't be alarmed, uh, you're gonna you're gonna compromise. You're gonna go away. And what's happened in our country? Uh, It's exactly what's happened. Nowadays, as a pastor, and you, those of you that young men who want to be in the ministry and train for the ministry, you need to understand this: uh, that that preaching was preventative in, in uh, don't let sin come into our nation, don't let sin come into our churches, don't let sin come into our home because it'll break us. Well, now the people we reach are already broken, and the Bible hasn't changed. But the day we live in has changed, and I think we need to have an understanding of it. So tonight, I'll go ahead and tell you what I'm going to to preach on, then I'll read the text and have a word of prayer. And I'm going to preach on living in a culture of vile affection, living in a culture of vile affection. And uh, our culture today is different than it has ever been. It has changed. Uh, even from the time I feel like an old man now saying things I, I swore when I was a kid I'd never say. Back in my day, you didn't have to lock your doors. Uh, back in my day, I remember we'd go outside in the morning, we'd play tackle football in the street. Uh, we, we'd end up at a different neighbor's house before. You know, in, in, just be home by dark or be home when you're hungry. Um, well, society's changed. Our world has changed and uh, we have a very, uh, we need to be, be, be mindful of it, but the Bible has not changed. So I'm going to identify some of the issues we deal with uh, in our culture today. Uh, but then at the end of the message, I'll give us just a few things uh, for us to be aware of that we're supposed to do. I don't believe in, in, in the idea of we just rant and rave about the problem and do nothing about it. I believe it's okay to rant and rave about the problem. But too many aren't, aren't fulfilling their responsibilities as a Christian to be part of the solution. So we'll tie that up at the end. But look at me, Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. I'm going to continue reading, but I want you to pay very careful attention to the scripture. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, <clears throat> even His eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator." who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Notice that phrase in verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. We live in a day when paganism is not on the shores of another country. We live in a day when paganism, barbarianism, that which is vile, that which is worshiping of of statues and and four-footed beasts, you don't have to go to the dark continent. You don't have to go to different places in this world to find it. You can find it right here in the good old United States of America. And tonight, I want to uh, preach on this subject living in a culture of vile affection. Living in a culture of vile affections. Father, I pray that uh, with the time we have tonight, may uh, we allow the scripture to uh, shed some light on some things, point some things out to us. I believe, as a child of God, in this day we live in, uh, many times we get frustrated by the changes we see. We get frustrated. By the things which are tolerated in our own nation which we love so much and father may we realize the solution is the same as it's always been it's the lord jesus christ and father may tonight's message give us some information that'll help us uh, see some things see the progression of our own nation and then we'll look at the solution maybe be ready to receive the solution be willing to do our part in making a good difference in this world we live in we ask this in jesus name amen a culture of vile affections. We certainly are thankful for the nation that we live in. I know I am. There's nowhere uh, There's nowhere I'd rather be uh, than the United States of America. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity to do what we've done today and a, uh, peaceably assemble together uh, in, uh, at church around <coughs> the Word of God. But a Christian should be alarmed at what is going on in our nation. Uh, one thing, and, 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 and I won't say a whole lot about this, but I certainly believe uh, it to be true. One thing God has done by allowing our president to be who the president is, it has shown the light on uh, some factions in our nation that do not like our country. Uh, he, if nothing else, God has used our president... To bring out from the uh, in, in those that would meet in secret, uh, to now meet on the streets of the United States of America. I don't know how much you pay attention to it, but there are uh, groups uh, that are nothing more than anarchists. Uh, they they are they 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 are they are anarchists. Uh, they hate our God. Uh, as I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, if they would. Murder an unborn child, why is that life uh, any less valuable than your life and my life? Uh, and there's a reason why all of that takes place. It's hard for us as God's people to comprehend in many times that evil, the evil that exists actually exists. And the Bible tells us that wherever good is, there's evil. Why is there evil in the United States of America? Because there's so much good. Our nation was founded on, on liberty and freedom and the opportunity to uh, worship the Lord. And out of the United States of America, missionaries have gone all over the world, and the gospel has reached uh, the four corners of this world because of the United States of America. But Satan, and it's probably a, a statement you have heard me say more than once over the last several months, but for decades Satan has changed our culture. And now he has weaponized it against the church. Don't be fooled into thinking there's not a spiritual war going on. there is. Don't be thinking that evil is not working over time uh, in our political system uh, in our in our society today to to steal the hearts of, of, of those that have those that are innocent uh, to, to, to thwart that which is good I'm mindful of 1 Kings 18 and verse 18, when King Ahab uh, accused Elijah and said, Thou art the trouble in Israel. You're the troubler of Israel. And you've got to mark that in in, in your margin, 1 Kings 18, 18, as it ties in very well with this. And Ahab, as we know, looked at him and says, No, it's you and your fathers. Now, paraphrasing, because you have left the commands of our God. What a history we have as a nation. Uh, as you know, because I, I reference it also, I, I I love to read American history. And even reading secular authors, you cannot help but see the hand of God in our nation. But it, the culture has changed. Well, I, it, it's something. It ought to break our heart to see in our own nation. Why are we even discussing whether or not there's a legal right to take the life of an unborn child we have people in our nation we're not even discussing at conception we're debating the child being born and being able to take the child's life after it has been born how how wicked how horrible this is not back alley This is mainstream on a debate platform of a major political party in the United States of America. Why is this even being discussed? Why is this even being tolerated? The outrage that is not at the murder of not just the unborn now, but now the born in our nation. How is this even tolerated? In our society because our society has changed our culture has changed not everybody but our culture has I want to identify some things from Scripture we see in chapter number one that I see in our country today and then I'll give us the solution first thing I want to see I want us to see is is the rejection uh, we find in verse number 21 because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They rejected him for who he was. It started many, many decades ago with teaching in our, in our public schools that God was not the creator, that we evolved. And the devil knows what he's doing because if he can convince a generation that they just happen and there is no creator, you do not have to give honor to that God. You do not have to accept his authority through the word of God. And he has done that in the United States of America. But there's a rejection of him as God. But the rejection goes even further. We tie that to verse number 16 when Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ as the power of God unto salvation. To reject God is to reject the gospel. (laughs) It's to reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what would solve, uh, solve the problem in our nation? The gospel. Putting God back. There's, uh, there, there, there's, there's, there's uh, movements, for lack of a better word, to remove the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. To remove, and, and now there's, there's it's always the same political party. I don't have to mention who it is. That when we swear in, we're not, we're not saying, uh, giving our allegiance to God. We're not going to use the, the Bible. We're not going to uh, do those things. Why? It's a rejection of God and a rejection of the gospel. Say what you want to say, but there's the Bible. My Bible tells me that there's but one way to the Father, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe In liberty, I believe that people who want to come to the United States of America need to understand they are coming here to be an American, not to change America. And America is founded under God. But it's a rejection of the gospel. Uh, When you reject God as God, it's not going to be a good result. When man rejects the gospel, eternity all of eternity they're going to regret that decision that they make. Uh, In our our nation today uh, you can talk about anything just don't talk about Jesus Christ. You can pray just don't pray in Jesus name. That is right off the pages of scripture. It's our culture. It's a rejection of God. Number two, the second thing I want us to see tonight is we see the ruin. After the rejection, there's a ruin. Let's read verses 21 through 25 again. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Ungratefulness is a bigger deal than we like to recognize. Recognize. Look at all the places in Scripture. Think of all the places in Scripture. God gives a negative characteristic, a group of listing of people. He says this is this. Is, he puts a label on them, and part of it is unthankfulness. You go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and that list of the characteristics in the last days, ingratitude, unthankfulness is right in there. More specifically, unthankfulness to parents. Is, is, is in there because they knew when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, what's watch the ruin? But became vain in their imaginations. People are, you know, man is full of himself, man can come up with some pretty good imaginations. See, when we reject God, now it's up to man to create God. And God is whoever I say he is. God is who I think he is. And if I want to say that my God is the fact there is no God, then I can just say that. See, I believe in freedom and liberty, but I don't buy into this, well, whatever God that you serve. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what God you serve because there's one God. But they become vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Let me, let me use that to also give a warning to us. It's a dangerous thing to reject God. It's a dangerous thing to reject the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I don't believe we preach on it enough. But God does darken the heart of men. God does turn the heart of men. You think of the children of Israel's exodus from Egypt. And how many times God said, the scripture says, he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh said no, and then God just continued to harden his heart, harden his heart until they were utterly destroyed. Christian, it's a dangerous thing for the the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you, to lead to you, and for you to tell him no. God does darken the hearts of men. It's a dangerous thing in our nation for our nation to reject God, because God does darken the heart of men. Their foolish heart was darkened. Notice verse number two. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's a great description of our academia. Oh, well, they get a lot of degrees. But my Bible says, a fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. It doesn't matter how many doctorates they've earned. We got all these scientists today telling us, they're quote unquote scientists telling us that they can prove there is no God. And by the way, global warming's a hoax if you didn't know it. What is it? So why, 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 why are people so, so adamant about that? Well, it, it's, it's a way for, for, for others to take our freedom, freedom but besides the point, it, it goes against the word of God. God gave man dominion over this earth, not the other way around. And this earth is not going to be destroyed until God destroys it. But there's a lot of smart people who really aren't that smart. But I think of when I think of this passage of scripture, I think of the scripture in Acts where where the, the learned men were confounded because of these ignorant and unlearned, Peter and, and John and those apostles who did not have the education, but they had the hand of God on them. But we live in a day-to-day, they profess themselves to be wise, they become fool, they became fools. Notice what the Bible says in verse 23 and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. It's amazing what man will worship today. The glory of an uncorruptible God. I flipped back this afternoon and read when Moses met with God. Moses says, show me your glory. God said, you know, I've preached from that passage not too long ago. No man can see my glory. But I'll put you in this crevice, and I'll show you my back parts. and You can get a glimpse of my glory. You know, one of the wonderful things about heaven is why we're going to have to have a glorified body is to see God in all his glory. You know, there's no light bill in heaven. Because Jesus is the light. It's his glory. To, for a man to be so arrogant to think that they can take the glory of an almighty God and put it into a ball and carve a statue It's something that took me by surprise when we went to Israel. All the Catholic sites that are in Israel I remember, it was not a good time for us. Those of us, those of you that were there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We were in a very, very bad mood. When we wanted to go to the Garden Tomb, and we got taken to the Catholic site of the Crucifixion, and this slab of marble that they use tradition to say that that is where Jesus' body was prepared on Friday and they were hurrying because of the Sabbath. And I'm sitting there counting, Friday, Saturday. It just just don't add up. And how people were coming, and they were rubbing their face, trying to accomplish who knows what. But friend, there is no power in that. There is no salvation in that. And how man has taking, taken the glory of the uncorruptible God and made him into an image like the corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know, it's, it's sad that, and I'm not for being mean and cruel, but why do we worship animals and abort our babies? You beat a dog, you go to jail. You murder your unborn child, and you're a hero. Well, this is a this is a culture of vile affection. But we've tried to make God into That which is like corruptible man. Look at verse 24 as we continue looking at the ruin. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. You want to know why our society is so filthy? That's right there. When you reject God, when you reject His leadership, when you reject who He is, And you begin to create another God. It does not end there. It continues, and when God darkens the heart of men, we get the verse 24, God gave them up to their own uncleanness. Because if there's no God that we've got to submit to, there's no creator we have to acknowledge, there's no morality, there's no holiness, it's every man do that which he wants to do. And friend, man is a, is a sinful creature, and God says, okay, you reject me, I'll turn you over to your own uncleanness. And the sin that was in the back alley is now on the front page today. It's front and center. What is it? Man's been turned over to his own uncleanness. The book of Proverbs reminds us that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sin is the downfall of any people. And God has... Gave them up to uncleanness. That's why, Christian, listen to me, listen to me. One step of compromise is not where you'll end. Because you've got to keep going. Because when you reject the leadership of God, there's the same pattern. I've got to keep going and going and going and going. We'll talk about that on another night as uh, to look at the last part of the chapter. But he turns them over to their uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. You know, preaching like I'm preaching is really hate speech. You know that, right? It's a fairy tale, they say. You know, if it's a fairy tale, you know, why are people working so hard to silence it? But they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. It still bothers me to know when that somebody can tell us what tree we can cut down and what tree we can't cut down. And before you say, well, pastor, let's just go cut it down. They'll find us. So if you're going to get your chainsaw out and go cut down the tree, just don't tell me before you do it. But we live in a day where trees have more rights than, than, than the Bible does who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. We see the rejection. We see the ruin. And it's sad that this exists. It's sad that we see this in our own nation. breaks my heart. To know that the battles that have been fought and how good God has blessed this nation. To see this nation reject God—that's why I'm so adamant. I'm thankful for politicians who take a stand. I'm thankful for politicians who are patriots. But friend, our salvation is not in any political party. It is not in the White House. It is in—is it turning back? Is God's people turning back to God? But we see the rejection. We see the ruin. We mentioned number three, the result. That's where we get our text first tonight for this cause. God's gave them up unto vile affections. You want your sin? You can have it. You want your filth? You can have it. You know, and let me use that as a caution and a warning for all of us tonight so many that say, well, I'm just trying to escape. I'm trying to escape the uh, independent Baptist movement. I'm trying to escape. Nobody's holding you hostage. God certainly isn't. And if you want to leave the things of God for the filth of this world, he will allow you to do it. But just as we see in the context of our scripture tonight and in our own nation, if you want the sin, God will let you have it, but you get everything that comes with it you get the effects that come with it. And you want your... and, And by the way, the reason why abortion is such a hotly contested and fought for, as barbaric as it is, is because man wants a license to do whatever man wants to do with no consequence. But friend, if we stand by and allow things like that to take place... Not only will there be, there is a curse on any people who go against the word of God. God gave them up unto vile affections. You get everything that goes with it. Sadly, we have to deal with some of the effects of what goes on in our our world. It affects all of us. We live in a culture of vile affections. That is the result. God gave them up. We see fourthly, we see the reality. Look with me in verse number 20. For the invisible things of Him from the <laughs> creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Notice this last phrase, so that they are without excuse. They're without excuse. That's the reality. You know, we as the United States of America, we have no excuse. We have a lot that we're going to be held accountable for. Well, Pastor, there's just some people that don't believe that way. They have no excuse. Well, how can you say that? I didn't say that. God said it. I don't know how he does it. But I believe this this passage of Scripture teaches that every man, God speaks to them in their heart in some way, knowing that there is an almighty God, knowing that there is a creator, and they can choose to accept it or reject it. And God says, I can't explain all the details of it, I can't illustrate it in every situation, but I can tell you this, the Bible says they are without an excuse. We have these self-proclaimed atheists, many who grew up in Bible-preaching churches, say, I don't believe <coughs> there's a God anymore because of this and because of this. You're without excuse. Well, our nation, the, the schools and, and the things that are done, the, all, all these things that have come, we are without an excuse. That's the reality of it. And all these excuses that we like to have as a people and as a nation And many times, even as a Christian, all these excuses, my response is simply this. Tell me you've got more than that that you're going to stand before God with one day. If that's your excuse, go back to the drawing board. But as a nation, as a people, the Bible says we're without excuse. We like to justify our own compromise, don't we? We like to justify our own sin. Boy, I know the history of the United States of America. I know what God has done for us. I know how God has blessed us, and we're without excuse. But as we identify living in the culture of vile affections, let me remind all of us, the Bible does tell us that judgment, judgment is going to come. But when it comes, it's coming first to the house of God. It's coming first to the people of God. See, my Bible also teaches, and specifically in the book of Psalms, there's a very, a very uh, a passage of Scripture with a great nugget of truth in it. The, the, the reference escapes me at this moment. But even in the midst of God's judgment, God can carve out a protection for those that have been faithful to Him. And I believe God is going to judge. He is in many ways, but is going to judge our nation because it's a culture of vile affections. But God can still bless His people in the midst of it. Now, what is our responsibility? I've given you all the negative of what we have to deal with tonight. I didn't bore you with statistics and depress you about how bad it really is. If you've just been paying attention, you realize how far our society has come. And the Bible identifies it. The Bible tells us what has happened and what will happen. So what is our responsibility? I'm going to give this very quickly. Four things that we need to remember living in the culture of our affection. Number one, be careful of influence. Be careful of what you allow to influence you. Be careful what you allow to influence your family. Christian, It's time to wake up. We'll sit here and we'll amen the fact. Yes, right, preacher, you're identifying it right. We live in a culture of vile affection. Then why in the world will we put in the hands of our children access for the culture that we condemn to get to our own children? You, it's time to be aware of the influence. Guard yourself. Just because it's on TV doesn't mean you ought to watch it. And just because there's a new social media platform doesn't mean your kids ought to have it. It's amazing. Just because you didn't have it, Your children have it nowadays. It's time to wake up and get clued into the fact that we have to be careful of what we allow to influence us. Mom and dad, we live in an age of technology. You still have a responsibility to protect your kids. And it's okay for you to be that parent. It, 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 it amazes me. I read an article about how a new social media platform is nothing, it is the number one, so it, it, it's, it's still new. And they're already labeling it as the, as the number one social media platform for, 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 for pedophilia, to target children. We live in a vile world. Don't let Hollywood influence you. And I know to some circles I sound like a raving lunatic. But if we will sit here and we will say amen to the fact that this is where our society has gotten, we can't continue on like it's still, leave it to beaver. It's not. Be careful of what you let influence you. Be careful of what you let influence your children. Everybody okay? Yes. The same people who push to murder a baby after it's been born are the same people who are making the movies that that that, that are putting on your television. How wholesome are they going to be? well, this one's okay, I just have a hard time hearing somebody make a speech about it's okay for, for, for a woman to murder her unborn child and then seeing her on my television. I'm sorry, I just have a hard time with that. Because I don't want to be influenced at all. And while I'm at it, I might as well just throw all the grenades under the seats tonight. There's not an NBA player, an NFL player, a major league baseball player that's a role model, I like sports, but be careful who you let influence you. Right. Be careful who you let influence your children. We live in a culture of vile affections. And we, and we, we as Christians, we're not careful at all of our influence. And this is an unpopular one. You got to be careful of your family members. Influence your children. You, you can criticize me if you want. You can disagree with me if you want. But the results are not the same. They're not the same. I'd rather my kids grow up wondering what a cousin was like a some mythical creature like a unicorn. than I would them learning words, than I would them being exposed to things they never would have been exposed to. What is our responsibility? See, I don't have the power that with the stroke of my pen to issue an executive order banning abortion, banning (coughs) immorality, banning filth but I can be wise enough to keep it from influencing me and my children. And maybe we as God's people ought to spend less time at a political rally and more time in this book learning what we should and we should not do in principles of separation and principles of holiness and principles of righteousness. It might do us well. It blows my mind. We need to take a stand. We need to do all of this. And then we open the floodgates to our children. We open the floodgates in our own life. Be careful of who you let influence you. Number two. Take a stand. I can't. Pick your stand for you. But I can stand where God's chosen. You can't pick a stand for anybody who doesn't live in your house. But you can take a stand where God takes a stand. It's, and sometimes, if you pay attention, you might think I'm a prophet. But I taught on all that emerging church stuff, and I talked about how all these things that this Bible says is vile, the murder of unborn children, same-sex marriage, all of these different things, they're embracing them. They, they are, I mean, you look at all these other denominations and they're in turmoil because of the very things that we looked at from Scripture and exposed from Scripture. Be careful what influences you, and then let's take a stand. I still believe I have God's word. I don't care if every other church changes the way they do it, we're not changing the way we do it. We're going to take a stand where we take a stand. Number three. Everybody okay? It's going to get better. Let's get serious about the Great Commission. There's some I'll teach on them in another service. God turns their mind over. and Too many Christians are trying to win an argument with them. And I'll give you a precursor in a statement that that I say, and I'll say it again. You can't change the mind of somebody whose mind's already been changed. Meaning God's turned their mind over to a reprobate mind. I want to win the argument. We got to win the argument. I'm not interested in winning an argument. I'm interested in winning a soul, because my Bible teaches me that you can't. They're 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 gone. They're not coming back. But there's some men and women and boys and girls, who that somebody, if they just cared enough to open their Bible and tell them Jesus loves you, and even though you're a sinner, God loves you so much. He sent his son to pay your sin debt. And you deserve to go to hell as I deserve to go to hell because Jesus paid for your sins. You don't have to. You can trust Christ as your Savior. We need to be busy about the Great Commission. We need to be busy about winning souls, not just winning souls, watching, getting them to grow. Many, and here's, a, here's a challenge for you soul winners. I want you to be fervent about your soul winning as you are. But I want you to be just as fervent about getting that new convert in the church. If it takes you six months to do it, you do it. Pastor, what are we going to do about our nation? We need to hold a political rally. I'll let other people do that. I'm not preaching against it. I'm not against it. That's not going to save our nation. It's winning the loss with the gospel getting them in the church house, following the Lord and believers' baptism, them growing as a new Christian. What our homes need today is not a, a social uh, revolution. It's not more a government intervention. It's not a, a, more of a more of a certain political party. What the, our homes need is a saved daddy and a save mama and save kids in the church house, serving the Lord, telling other people, we've got to get serious about the Great Commission. If we can mobilize God's people to go after sinners like they're mobilized to get out the vote and to help get certain people elected, I think we might can make a difference. What are we to do in this culture of vile affections? Get serious about the Great Commission. And that's winning them. That's having them grow. Uh, We got to be serious about it. And then, fourthly, and I'm done. What do we do in this culture of vile affections? Look up, watch for Christ's return, anticipate his return. Long. For his return. Not enough. For, enough Christians are ready for Christ to come. We say a lot of things as Christians we don't mean. You know, like I enjoyed that message, Pastor. Been praying for you, Pastor. You never step on me. You never make me upset, Pastor. You know, we say a lot of things as Christians that we just don't mean. Seriously speaking, oh, I wish the Lord would come back. You ain't living that way. So saying it don't really make it true. We ought to be looking for Christ's return. I'll sum this up and... We'll have some sort of an invitation. I don't think, any, as an American, I don't think you do anybody good by staying home and not voting. And if, and if, you, if, you, if you did or you do, I'm, I'm not fussing at you. I'm just saying it's my opinion. So why do you come up with that opinion? I, I, think I don't care for this candidate. I don't care for this candidate. Well, I, men shed their blood so that we would have a right to vote. So I believe we ought to exercise that freedom and that right. There's a lot of other things I could say on that, that I won't. It's not necessary. But it aggravates me at the self-righteousness of conservatives. Well, I just don't... I, whatever. I know one wants to put me in jail for what I say and take away our God-given rights. I, if it's Donald Duck, I'm voting for Donald Duck just so that person isn't elected. Anybody else out there? That's my personal opinion. But let me take that and apply it in the spiritual realm. It's really bothersome to see Christians contribute to the problem by their lack of willingness to be part of the solution. I can preach and I can point out from Scripture the parallels I believe in our nation like I did tonight, a culture of vile affections. I believe it's good for us to see that. I don't think I'd be a sincere preacher, though, if I had not spent any time in my prayer closet praying for my nation. I don't think I'd be a sincere preacher if I had not shed tears over what I see happening in our nation. And there's a lot of Christians who get fired up about making America great again. And it's been a long time, if you've ever had a burning in your soul, for God to do something in the life of another person. So what are you saying? If you get more excited about a political rally than you do a lost sinner getting saved, you're not part of the solution. I want us, I, I, have, I have no influence, I have no bearing on any other group of people than the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I want us to do our part in what we see happening in our nation. Be careful what you let influence your, you, you personally. I try and be very, very careful who I let influence me because if it influences me, it doesn't just influence my family, it influences you. It's not about, well, I can do it. Yeah, you can, but you have a responsibility to control who influences you. Let's stand where we ought to stand, but let's be busy about the Great Commission. Let's be faithful, looking. That's why, again, the emphasis isn't changing with our young people. I'm going to keep preaching that you ought to give God your life. Serve God with your life. Mom and Dad, your prayer for the time even before they're born ought to be God would you use them? God would you call them? God would you use them in a way that I did not have an opportunity to be used. So oh, I want something to happen in our nation. I can tell you how we can turn it around. We've got to win more people to Christ. We've ha- We've got to reach more with the gospel. We've got to give people the hope. Marriages will be mended. Lives will be salvaged. We've got to do our part. Yes, when it comes time to vote, vote. I'll never tell you who to vote for. I'll just tell you who not to vote for. How about that? But as a child of God, we have something that we can do. We can get a hold of the throne of God. There's a lot of preaching about, we we need to preach about revival. We need to pray about revival. Well, there's action that must be done before God ever hears the prayer. We want want to pass it all off on God. If I preach it long enough and I pray on it enough or I talk about praying on it, then God will just do it. No, friend, there's stands that must be taken. There's sin that must be confessed before God moves In that way. What are we going to do about it? I want my children. To have a free nation. I want my grandchildren. To have what I've had. I can't sell it out. You can't sell it out. That's why young people get serious about serving God. Get serious about it. I mean, if our nation went to war right now, and we were fighting for our survival, you know, it would be an then it would be an admirable thing for us to defend our nation. But you know, our, our nation is is on its way to hell, and we don't want to do that for our nation. We don't want to serve our nation in that capacity. Let's do what we can do. Father, I pray that you'll...